0: Can you just always play the piano like that
1: whenever yeah. I walk into yeah. room?
0: <laughs> Beloved, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I want to echo again Michelle's welcome to all of you on this very special and celebratory Sunday. So what exactly are we celebrating? Well, first, since it's the month of May, we are celebrating and honoring the very unique and sacred identities of our Asian American Pacific Islander siblings, so that is a reason to celebrate. Second, because it's Mother's Day, the day we celebrate and honor all of you who mother in your unique and varied and life-giving ways. And last, but definitely not least, the reason we have not one, not two, not three, but four worship bands on the roster today is because because today is the sixth Sunday in the liturgical season of Easter. (laughs) Everyone's favorite Sunday on the church calendar, right? That is why you all are here today. Yes, the church calendar. The weird, ancient date book that tells us when we should celebrate Jesus' birth, mourn Jesus' death, and rejoice in Jesus' resurrection. Now, some years it feels like this sacred calendar syncs with our actual, real-life calendars, while other times it can kind of feel like this awkward, old, tiny coat that we just put on, on top of our modern-day clothing. A few weeks ago, a member asked me a question, if and how we balance our adherence to this archaic schedule with what's actually happening in the world around us. It's a good question, a legitimate question. And like with most complex things, the answer isn't either or. Being a follower of Christ doesn't mean that we have to choose between having our heads in the clouds or being mired in the earth. Now, being a follower of Christ means persistently, sometimes even foolishly believing that we are a part of a larger story, bigger than what we see on the news or experience in our daily lives. Our story, your story, is tangled up with God's story. That's why we need the church calendar. When we are feeling hopeless and alone in the world, Advent reminds us that God is with us. In the face of suffering and death, Lent reminds us that God is for us. Whenever we wonder if this whole faith thing, this whole church thing is well past its expiration date, well, Pentecost reminds us that none of this belongs to us in the first place, and yet God is still at work in our midst. And then during those times when we feel stuck in the in-between, when we don't know whether to celebrate or to mourn, to stay or to go, to laugh or to cry, when we aren't sure of our next step or what lies ahead, days like today, the sixth Sunday in the season of Easter, days like today remind us that we don't have to have it all figured out because God is always up to something holy and good. And so on this day, we celebrate a weird time in the church calendar, the time after Jesus' resurrection, but before the birth of the church. The past few weeks, we mimicked the movements of the women who discovered the empty tomb that Easter morning, and the disciples who received their testimonies. Week after week, we saw with our own eyes exactly what happens in Scripture, how witness leads to belief how belief leads to conviction, how conviction leads to transformation, and how transformation leads to celebration, AKA worship, AKA church. This old calendar not only reminds us that we are a part of a larger story, it also reminds us where we came from. After all, before we were Christian, or Presbyterian or members of First Pres Berkeley, before we were the church gathered, we were simply a people sent. So hear now God's word for you today as it comes to us and for us from the gospel according to Luke chapter nine, the sending of the 12. Then Jesus called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor, mo- nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so the 12 departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. Friends, the word of the Lord. Now, one of the most iconic lines ever uttered on screens from TV to film is from the series known as Mission Impossible. Now, most of you know it. The line goes something like this. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, right? Dot, dot, dot. Now, these missions vary from episode to episode, film to film, but the one thing they all have in common is that they are impossible, right? Now, it helps that the agent who receives these missions is always incredibly capable physically, mentally, strategically. It also helps that these missions are all completely fictional, neither of which are the case in Luke 9. First off, we see this in this gospel and throughout all of the gospels, really, that Jesus' 12 disciples are not particularly capable. Jesus doesn't choose them for their extraordinary strength or their cunning intellect. Secondly, this mission they are given, should they choose to accept it, is very real. And yet the one thing that our passage and this fictional series all have in common is that both involve missions that are seemingly impossible. For the entire first half of Luke, all we see is Jesus preaching to the masses, healing the afflicted and casting out demons. His is the story we are tuning into. His is the astonishing birth and baptism we learn about. He is the son of God. It's his kingdom, his power, his ministry. That is until chapter nine when Jesus turns to his rather unimpressive, often clueless, disciples and shines the spotlight on them. Their mission, should they choose to accept it, is to go and do everything that he has been doing. From the sermons, to the exorcisms, to the miracles, all of it. And as scripture tells us rather nonchalantly, I might add, they do just that. Verse six, they departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. The end. Now even in the most outlandish of TV shows and movies, this formula is surprising. Usually there is something, anything, that qualifies a person to go out and do the impossible. Whether it is a special skill, or a superpower, or access to the latest technology, or even just exceptional character, great feats are usually earned. And yet, in Luke 9, Jesus does everything backwards. Without hesitation, he gives his power and authority to his disciples. Not their might or power or ability, but his. And then to bring that point home even further, he gives them explicit packing instructions. Take nothing. Not a bag, not a sandwich, not your wallet, not even a change of clothes. Not your books, or your laptops, or a copy of your resume. Not your favorite pillow, or a photo of your family, or a box full of mementos. Take nothing, pack nothing. Why? Two reasons. First, because they won't need any of it. Remember that their mission, should they choose to accept it, has nothing to do with them not their qualifications or abilities or preparation or even their faithfulness. It's Jesus's power they are working with, Jesus's grace they are extending, Jesus's kingdom they are building up. Everything they need to complete their mission will be provided for them. All they need to do is walk out their front door, which leads to reason number two. Jesus tells his disciples to pack nothing because they are not meant to stay in one place. They are destined to be a people on the move. A people ready, willing, and able to go into the hard places, the hurting places, the scary places, and bring the good news of the gospel in thought, word, and deed. Pack nothing, take nothing, so nothing will keep you from going where God is calling you to go. It's kind of funny because historically speaking, the church has a hard time letting go, a hard time with change, a hard time saying goodbye. Now on the one hand, it makes a lot of sense. This is the place, and these are the people with whom we have journeyed with from witness to belief, belief to conviction, conviction to transformation, transformation to celebration. We need this place, right? We need these people. And if any of that changes, if all of that changes, we can't help but wonder, well, what does that mean for For my witness, my belief, my conviction, my transformation. How are we supposed to celebrate having to say goodbye? Because that is who we are. Before we were the church gathered in Jesus Christ, we were the people sent by Jesus Christ. The one who brought us together is the one who sends us back out. That is why we at First Pres bless arrivals and departures. That is why we celebrate goodbyes, because we know that God is at the center of it all. And so yes, I meant it when I said that today is a very special celebratory Sunday. And not just because it's May or because it's Mother's Day, or even because it's the sixth Sunday in the season of Easter. But today, we as a community of faith get to celebrate as one of our own is sent from here, out of here, to do God's work in the world. In this very humble church, there are many of us who have been blessed by the ministry of John Yu. Whether in worship or conversation, teaching or fellowship, like so many who have passed through this community, John has been a gift to First Press. And now, as those who have been blessed by this individual, guess what, it is our turn to bless him as his ministry takes him elsewhere. In just a minute, John will offer one of his signature musical reflections, dropping gospel truth while holding his guitar standing at that there mic. He insists that I not call it a sermon, but in case we have forgotten, Jesus never called his disciples to preach sermons. He only told them to proclaim the kingdom of God, and John, that is what you do. So I'm going to invite you to come on up here. And before you get to do what you do so well, what blesses us so much, we are going to pray for you. We are going to bless you. And we are going to send you on your way. Now, I would you know, do that thing where we invite everyone who's been touched by John's ministry to come on up here. That is simply going to get unruly. So I'm going to have the clergy and John's colleagues and worship team coming up here as we pray a commissioning prayer over him. There's a lot of instruments, four times as many than we usually have. But it's OK, we can do this. Beloved, let us pray. God who sees all of us, God who sends all of us, we thank you for the ministry of John Yu at First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley over the past 17 years. We thank you for the ways he has done the impossible in your name, proclaiming your good news, healing our hearts, loving us into being. Our prayer for him and all of us this day is that we pack nothing for the journey. That John remembers that everything he needs, you will provide. Bless his ministry and let it serve as a reminder that we as your disciples are all sent into the world to do the impossible in your name. Thank you, God, thank you. Thank you for John. This we pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen.
1: So I'm supposed to say things now. (laughs) something that we heard from the pulpit, I'm supposed to tie it in to some sort of reflection that then ties us into the song that we're supposed to s- reflect while we're listening to. So please bear with me as I hold my security blanket <laughs> with me here. Uh, um, I think I was sent here. Uh, I believe I was sent here. I was sent here. Uh, in '05. I was scared uh, and super uncomfortable traveling across the country to Berkeley, California from North Carolina. Um, e- even at the time, my church in North Carolina, they figured that Berkeley was some sort of spiritual wasteland. And so then they languaged it, we are sending John as a missionary to Berkeley <laughs> rather than losing, uh, losing him to another church. So I understood that I was sent here to serve. I was sent here to uh, First Press Berkeley to, to lead this congregation in musical worship. And when I came here, I immediately was like, I am so out of my league here. <laughs> I So many PhDs and postdocs and Nobel Laureate parking spots. Um, <laughs> what? Every Sunday I'm standing here and you know, whoever the preaching pastor was, just offering these, these eloquent and you know, articulate, poetic, theological expressions in worship, and then they pass it over to me, and I, I'm supposed to say something that sounds like, let's sing, you know. <laughs> what is going on? Every Sunday I would drive home and wonder, Lord, am I, what am I doing here? Am I doing anything good here? Uh, Meanwhile, my soul would just be crushed by criticisms, and I would be like grasping desperately for compliments. Um, There was one Sunday, a warm Sunday, uh, after the worship service was over, uh, a woman came up to me, tears in her eyes. She, She grabbed my arm. She thanked me for leading her in worship. And she said, it was the moment that she saw a tear in my eye and then fall from, fall from my eye down my face. And I looked at her, I said, thank you, and she walked away. Didn't have the heart to tell her that it was warm that day. <laughs> and a, I was sweating a little bit more than I usually do. Okay. And a bead of sweat from my forehead traveled its way to my eye, down my face. I took whatever I could get, okay? (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, over the years, I have experienced some of the most life-changing type moments of love and joy here. And at the same time, some of the most life-debilitating type moments of trouble and pain. But through it all, I noticed that I had forgotten about how scared I was being sent here. It was like, I, like a football player that needs to get tackled, you know, to then again feel warmed up and be a part of the game. Um, I realized that I had fully taken ownership of my belonging here. Uh, I felt like I was actually now ex- accepting my call to be here even in the midst of so many friends and staff colleagues had had left, I learned somehow how to um, enjoy and absolutely love uh, the smartness and how thoughtful this congregation is in the pursuit of trying to figure out how to be humble, how how to understand the nuances of the gospel uh, how to own being, feeling so small in the context of a God that's so large. I've learned to really embrace that and learning from, from you guys, listening to how you all struggle uh, in your pursuit of faith for truth. Um, I've learned how to uh, understand the gospel as it, as it is activated in our physical world, Uh, through the idea of justice and social change, how that might be activated, how this worship expression here in this room gets sent out every single week when we walk out these doors. Um, So I really have come to appreciate that. I was like, I have found my home. I think I really love being here. When I was a child, I couldn't wait to turn 16 because I wanted to drive. And when you're 16, you can't wait to turn 18. When you're 18, you can't wait till you're 21. When you're 21, you can't wait till maybe you graduate or something. After you graduate, you can't wait till you get a job or independence or whatever it it might be. At some point in our lives, we want those changes to stop. And we start to hold on to like, no, 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 this is it. I want to just please, please just stay in in this moment. And I think that that's where I was. I wanted everything to stay the same. I felt like maybe like the lame man at the pool that Jesus approaches in the Gospel of John and says, do you want to be healed? Um, It seems like such a ludicrous question. And the guy says, "Uh, uh, I can't get in the pool. Um, And I like to kind of think of it as like a, Almost like a Groundhog Day type of, like, it just keeps happening over and over. Or the day after day, Jesus comes to this guy at the pool and says, what's it going to be? You want to get healed? And he says, I can't get in the pool. Okay. And then again, hey, today, you want to be healed? I can't get in the pool. And it's like, I like, that, I like that kind of playing it over and over things because I feel like um, Jesus is trying to convey something that's beyond this person's current worldview and understanding of life, beyond this person's imagination. Finally, this man is made whole. And Jesus says, go on, get up, get out of here. And I kind of feel like that moment, the thing about being sent for me that's difficult and challenging is when I don't want to be. I don't want to be sent. I love it right now, the way it is. But here I am again, being sent. And I'm scared again of the unknown, the unfamiliar. I don't know what's gonna happen. But I think that the call to be sent is the call to be courageous. Um, that maybe God is asking us, hey, do you want to be healed? And maybe I'll keep saying, I, I can't get in the pool. Can you get me in the pool? Um, but I love that Jesus doesn't get say, get up, okay, get in the pool. Um, it's a whole other life. So I wanted to share that um, today. I'm going to invite the, uh, the band to come up um, and join me up here. As they are coming up, uh, I would also like to take this time to uh, say how uh, how unbelievably unquantifiable it is. My gratitude for the members of the worship band that are all here today, as well as those that are not here um, that have served alongside me over the years. Can we please give them a hand? Just <laughs> And of course, it has been staff colleagues now that I absolutely love this staff right now, as well as staff colleagues that have, um, that I've been able to work alongside over the years and congregation members, friends. I think we all do this together. Every single week, I believe that we have come here to hear the truth of the gospel. And when we leave, I think it's every time we are sent. Um, it's an amazing, powerful thing to, to be in worship, to be here in church, to serve and to also receive. And then to whatever that might be, when we make do that movement of going out these doors, what will it be? Um, even though we know that there might be trouble, that there might be failures, shame and heartache, we could, we, God continues to call us to move forward still and we can declare god's grace and mercy that has overcome all of those fears that we have um we're gonna lead this song now some of you might not know this song but it's a song that we used to we used to play a lot back in the day absolutely love this song Um, so i'm not going to invite you to stand or anything But if you're going to need to sing along, you're going to have to sing along. And if you need to stand, I'm just going to say do whatever you want to at this moment. Um, I get it. So um, let's get into our time of reflection together. Burns brighter than the sun, he steals the night and casts no shadow. There is hope. Should oceans rise and mountains fall, he never fails. So take heart. Let him Hold on to her and take her. Hold on to